Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prime Time Rundown. Here they are, Joey Jarzinka and Nick Hartain. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you live to episode number 21 of the Prime Time Rundown alongside my guys Tyler Riddell and Nick Partain. I'm Joey Jarzinka. We cannot thank you enough for joining us here on the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Networks. Tyler, first off, I have to say, you are clean shaven and on top of it, and we will get this on our social media pages uh, next week when we reveal something great about Tyler. Um, you painted a fantastic image, and this was all by hand, number Wait, one. I figured that was printed. No, no. He, no, he did that by hand. That's absolutely surreal. I didn't know he was talented. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't think I was very talented either. I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll move out of the way as best as my, my large body frame can. Want once it's up on our social media, but yeah, this took about a total of about three days to do. But you know, being that uh, you know there's no work, and I I can't go anywhere. Uh, it definitely helped me pass the time and uh, something I think I definitely love. So it definitely, uh, it definitely uh, has a spot on this wall. I'm really happy to hear that. And it looks fantastic, uh, by the way. And, and really you do, if, if, if God forbid, if God forbid nothing works out for you in your career or in your, you know, anything you have uh, art to, uh, to fall back on because that really, I could tell you right now. And I've, I've told, I told you this, off camera that seriously if i tried doing that i would probably want to poke my eyeballs out with the uh with the paintbrush that's for sure yeah i mean i i give credit to my uh my background in architecture to that one for the patients at least so uh yeah no, thank you guys well that's very good to hear so now as we are here friday evening on good friday holy friday um, and happy Passover to those who do, who do celebrate uh, who, who do celebrate that as well. Uh, who will be celebrating Easter on Saturday? Or sorry, oh my gosh, on Sunday. My goodness, uh, your days are all messed up. You got to go back to work. It, it's true. I know. I have to. You know what it is? I have to get out of the house. That's you know yeah. some sort of human contact or human interaction. It's brutal. Um, but going back to, uh, to our, our prompt and our script here, looking at and seeing what has happened in the sports world, which really is not much in the previous week, let's look to something that we actually had this discussion about uh, a few hours ago off camera. And we're going to start with the NFL All-Decade team. Now, we had – there's multiple controversial um, – players that were added onto the team my one player that I thought was uh a, like right in the middle of the pack and really you know held his own was Denver Broncos uh cornerback uh now actually LA Chargers cornerback Chris Harris Jr. uh he was named to the all-decade team I don't know if that was really the greatest uh choice there's so many others uh Aaron Donald Fletcher Cox Darren Sproles Johnny Hecker uh, Shane Leckler from when uh, when he was playing um, so there's there's a lot of things and we were discussing also uh, defensive backs fullbacks nose tackles are surprisingly uh, not there 
is it a surprise that they are not there or is the NFL trying to combine those said positions? Because if you have to do that, then basically Tyler and Nick, you would have to break it down even more and you would have to have the best free safeties, the best strong safeties, the best nose tackles and the best fullbacks. What do you guys think? I mean, you already know where I stand on the fullbacks. I think it's a little bit ridiculous that they weren't added. Uh, I know I, you know, I, I'll agree with you for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, and, and the fact of, uh, I understand that the fullback is not a very, uh, I, I guess, say used position that much. I know there's really only a handful of teams that use it, but it is still a position that should have been recognized. Uh, and there's still a lot of full. There's a, a lot of fullbacks out there that are still like you think of a team and it's like, he's still one of the first people you think of, you know, you go to the New England Patriots, you think of James Devlin, uh, you know, the Kansas city chiefs, they have Sher- uh, Anthony Sherman, the 49ers with Kyle Juszczyk. There's still name the two Super Bowl teams, huh? Well, it, that kind of makes my case even. <laughs> I know I'm just saying like it's kind of coincidental three very good teams still use their fullbacks. I mean, yeah, like you said, also this is an old decade team. This isn't a last year team. Fullbacks yeah. were used a lot more going back to 2010. So I don't understand why they you know, couldn't the recognize their full decades worth of usage. Yeah. The fullback was only taken out of like, I guess, everyday equation. Yeah. In 2014, 2015, it's only been a couple of years. And even still, you think of, like I said, the Patriots of James Devlin, they were in, I don't know, 10 Super Bowls in like five minutes. So, it, like, obviously he's play, doing something right, playing a role there, especially because he does have a decent amount of touchdowns in the regular season every year. And then again, the two Super Bowl teams go into the team. They both just so happen to have fullbacks. So, the, the, obviously, the position is still used. And yeah, used. And, 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 and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw my two cents in here because, obviously, you know, I, I, want, I want Nick and Tyler to really debate this um, because m- where I stand on this is that, yes, you do have fullbacks that are used, but then also – but then you made the point, Tyler, where you did say that nose tackle should have been on there as well. Now, not everybody uses or utilizes a 3-4 defensive scheme where, you know, it's the defensive end, defensive tackle, and the nose tackle in the middle. Or, or where, you know, exactly what Nick said earlier in our, in our group chat, where it, they would be considered the defensive tackle. Well, if you think about it, then why wouldn't fullbacks be in that same or under the same umbrella as a running back? Because they're, they're used in a totally different realm of the offense. You know, when you think of even going back as far as high school football, you're a fullback, or I guess uh, in high school it was considered a, an, a, run, a second running back. He's still, you, you still your running back's lead blocker going to the gap, so shooting the outside. You know, so it's, it's hard to classify, try and put them in the category as a running back because, I mean, look, they got, they, they're getting no recognition on here as is. You know what I mean? It's like, and look, don't get me wrong, there are some teams that are going to have plays in their playbook that would utilize a fullback that they'll use their second or third string running back for. But I don't know. Looking at the all-decade team from the offensive side of things, obviously the two quarterbacks, which is no surprise, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Megatron, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Fellas, I want to ask you this. Calvin Johnson uh, obviously did not have much success in Detroit. His personal numbers were really good. 
does he is he deserving of an all decade spot over a player such as I don't know Julian Edelman? Yes. Yeah, he, the difference between Megatron and Edelman is Megatron is the best receiver in football for like half the decade. That's completely enough to be on the all-decade team. Edelman was never one of the best receivers in the game. Very good, a number one on his team, but never a top five in the league, whereas Megatron was the best receiver in football for a very long time. He deserves a spot for sure. Yeah, and not even, even through the Patriots' uh, mega run through the entire 2010s, there was never a year where Julian Edelman was in the top five. Uh, let alone the top 10. I think he only was in the top 10 one time. Yeah. And, and now you look at, now you also look at the guards, the tackles, the centers, you look at the offensive line, Jason Peters, Tyron Smith, Joe Staley, Joe Thomas, Jari Evans, Logan Mankin, Zach Martin, Marshall Yonda, Alex Mack, Marquise Pouncey. Then you look at running backs. Now this one is, I think, I think is deserving and what Frank Gore did, he, he's on this list, by the way. Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson. LaShawn McCoy was one of the best running backs. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's not being biased um, as an Eagles fan. But you look at Frank Gore, what he did in San Francisco. Uh, towards, towards the latter part of his career when he was you know, traded, bounced around, he's still deserving of a spot. Do you guys believe that there were snubs or players on there, both offense and the defensive side, or even this, even on special teams, where some weren't as deserving as others? I'm going to say one that might upset you, but Darren Sproles as the flex was a bad choice. Okay. The offensive flex is supposed to be a player that contributes all around to offense, and that's why they chose Sproles, because he was a running back. He also caught a lot of passes. He was you know, a utility knife kind of guy. But when you put it in that realm, how does a guy like Le'Veon Bell not get the spot over him? Or Matt Forte, guys who did that at a much higher volume than Sproles. That flex isn't supposed to take special teams into account, where Sproles did make it as the punt returner, much deserved. He was an outstanding punt returner. He deserves that spot. But the offensive flex one, he shouldn't have been the pick. There are many, many better players that did more for an offense than he did. We understand that he does it as a Swiss Army knife, but Bell was one of the best receiver blocking running backs in the game for – about half the decade. I think that should have been enough to get him the spot over him. Tyler? You, you know, one thing on the uh, the offensive side of the ball, other than the fullbacks, that kind of it, – it caught my eye, but I understand why he didn't make it, uh, was Nick Mangold. Yeah. How many years was he really good, though, in this decade? I'm trying to remember when. Until he had his neck injury. Remember, he didn't retire until 2016. Yeah, but he, his last year or two weren't even that great. You probably have an argument for him, but I was okay with the other two they picked. I think Pounds. No, I think like, that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm okay with the other two, but, you know, if there was one that I feel like – Go uh, get the runner-ups and stuff. Like, he wasn't even a runner-up. Oh, wow. I didn't see the runner-ups list. I saw all the guys who yeah, made like The runner-up list was – it was only like one or two – people purpose i mean skill positions obviously had interrupts i think that you really don't think of offensive line in the beginning with as it is and to see who to see who's here is understandable why they're here you know the the personal success they had but how nick mangle wasn't even considered to be 
a runner-up or an option mind because when the Jets, even when the Jets were from, you know, I get it's not part of the decade, but from 2009 all the way until 2012, 2013, really started to fall. He was a big part of that offensive line. Yeah, he was probably the best center in football for their run. Right. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. two. So yeah, he, he definitely had an argument. It's a matter of how well he played into the decade. We know he definitely had three or four good years in there, but if you can add all the way to 16 of him playing at an elite level, he'd have had a better argument. But his play tailed off. He was hurt a lot this last year or two, so that's probably what cost him. Oh, yeah, no, of course. And, you know, the only other center I could think of, and I, obviously he retired way earlier than uh, 2016, but the only other center that really would ever jump out to your eyes at the time was probably Jeff Saturday. And it's like, you know – you, you look at what Nick Mangold did as a Jet, regardless of the decade, and it was like, how many people will go into the store to get a jersey, and they're walking out with an offensive lineman, let alone a center's jersey? And you go to a Jet game or watch it on TV, and almost everybody was wearing it. It's, it's wild. Did you yeah. see they had um, a Twitter poll out thing where they were doing, like, best college player. Like, they did this whole massive Twitter poll, and Nick Mangold won, like, the best college player. He beat Reggie Bush in the final. Like, he has such a cult following on social media that he even was able to win a popularity contest like that. It was really funny. I didn't see that. That's wild. I got to check that out. Yeah, if you follow Nick Mangold, you'll see it on his feed. He tweets a decent amount, but he was, like, completely pushing for it the whole time. It was hilarious. <laughs> That is that is uh, that is pretty cool to say the least. And and Tyler, I I am I am in agreement with you with uh, with Nick Mangold. And but the 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 Jeff Saturday part is he began obviously he began to uh, to be on the backside of his career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he retired the the follow uh, the year after Andrew Luck's rookie year, I believe. Uh, in that, I believe it was in that. Well, yeah, because his his retirement season was Peyton Manning's last season uh, before the whole neck. Problems. Right, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I take that back. It was his first season in Denver because they let, uh, they uh, took a snap under each other. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. That 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 is correct. Yes. Um. So yeah. No. Absolutely. But but Alex Mack, what he did, what he did in Cleveland, um, and then what he what he's done now in in Atlanta is extremely remarkable. Um. But the guys, the guys, right now, I think the NFL, they they got it right. Um, but I, I am, like I said, I, I am in agreement with, with certain positions. And I think a nose tackle, um, because not every team plays in a three, four, in a three, four defense, uh, for defensive backs. Also, you have to look as well, where a lot of teams also play a four, two, five scheme where you have five defensive backs, two linebackers, and obviously the defensive line, um, or you play, or you play a, um, uh, what is it? Uh, three, four, and or three, four, and four. I think. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's math. A three, four, four. Nick, 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 you are you are the the Eastern Observer's math uh, math guru here. Yeah, four, four, and three is eleven. You are right. Good. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. So four. Yeah. Four, what Joe's trying to say is there were a ton of hybrid defenses played this decade. We really, really moved over the course of the decade to a passing league. Right. So base defenses became much less frequent. So that even that on top of everything else makes the nose tackle even less of a prominent figure. But yeah, see, it really, really comes down to three, four versus four, three base if the nose tackles on the field or not. So when you're already at 50, 50, basically of the league, and then the league's moving more toward passing, it was even less this time around. Yeah. But see, but my problem with the argument now is you're saying that all, you know, teams don't use the, uh, all, you know, all, not all teams use the three, four defense, you know, but you look on the other side of the ball and not all teams use fullbacks either. 
it's still a yeah. position that still should have been recognized. That's fair, I guess. I mean, it's just because they're – it's kind of like just a breed of defensive tackle, like defensive tackle's overarching term that covers all of them, whereas running back doesn't overarch into fullbacks. Like, no one considers Anthony Sherman a running back, but all defensive tackles are – I mean, all nose tackles are defensive tackles. Right. Yes, that is and, – and exactly what you said. That is, that is fair in my opinion. Um, and now, and now, just to just to continue this with the NFL, um, I want to move over from uh, from the All Decade team because we could go on and on about this, and and we, you know, we have some uh, we have some agreements, some disagreements, whatever. That's exactly what this show is about. But now, I think we can all be in unison with this following. Uh, topic here. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, Antonio Brown hired a veteran agent in hopes to return to the NFL. Fellas, who would be dumb enough to sign Antonio Brown? Whoever wants I mean, it's got to be start. a team with a veteran infrastructure. I mean, maybe Philly because they have a very good culture. They have good leadership there. They need a wide receiver. I know Joey would hate it, but that that's the kind of team that would take the shot just because they the really need a receiver. Right and they're a team that could maybe withstand him being a lunatic and corral him a little bit. I know the Patriots failed last year, but if Brown is serious about changing his behavior, he seemed to say some things recently that kind of hinted toward the fact that he gets it. So if he comes in and he's not a lunatic, he's an amazing wide receiver. We saw in one game in New England, he looked like vintage Antonio Brown. Against so he's Miami, worth a yeah. shot if you think you can get his brain right. He's completely worth it because you're going to pay him nothing, and he's going to be a stud for you. But it's got to be a team with the infrastructure to keep him on under wraps. Tyler. Uh, so one thing I'm going to kind of disagree, uh, not one I'm going to disagree, but the one thing I'm going to counter with Nick is, uh, I don't think his time in New England was a failure. I think it, it the, the, what, 15 minutes he was there, but, uh, it, it, I don't, it was more or less, you know, when he had all of those charges, I guess, coming towards his name, it's, you kind of expect the team to let him go because if he stuck around, there wouldn't have been any failure at all. The Patriots probably do a lot better than they did last season. If he stuck, if he sticks around, it's uh, yeah, he didn't whine his way. I forgot he didn't have like an episode. It was that those allegations came out and they were. Yeah, he had the allegations stuff. came out after he finally was able to get those uh, episodes brushed away. Obviously, you know, you see teams aren't going to want a guy like that on their roster. Obviously, they're going to let him go. Um, as far as to who would sign him, uh, I think it's going to be it's going to come down to uh, any team that's going to be desperate enough. Uh, any team that really feels like they're going to need a receiver. Um, obviously, I don't see him being signed anytime soon. Uh, he's probably he's got to go through some kind of wild counseling program or whatever it is to get his brain fixed. Um, but when he's playing, there's no question that he's anywhere between the top three and the top five receiver. It doesn't matter where he's playing. Um, I, if he gets picked up, depending on who he goes to, it's gonna be he's gonna have to take a low cost, low risk deal for a team because if they gotta cut him again because he has another episode or more reports about him come out, they're gonna have to cut him again. So the, whatever yeah. he he's probably if he ever came back into the league, I don't see him being anything more than uh and pretty much an NFL journeyman at this point. Yeah, which really which really is sad. But you know what? His his actions were were really you know, unacceptable uh, across the board, starting in Oakland. 
Uh, and then, you know, and then with him, with the, with the, uh, him fighting with the movers, uh, when he was, I believe he was leaving, uh, in Miami, I think it was Miami, uh, where it was, or someplace in Florida where he was. And, uh, there were caught, there were, the authorities were called. He, he, apparently he roughed up one of the moving guys. Um, so, and now you look at a, a draft that is wide receiver, um, not even friendly. This is a historical draft for wide receivers where you look at into potentially even into the third round. And the third round is where that's where you start to see the drop off with wide receivers this year. And it's, it's mind boggling. And this is where we'll segue as well with, uh, with the Texans and Brandon cooks and whatever, which we don't even want to, I don't even want to get that started until we finish this topic. But, um, I don't see him getting signed until after the draft, obviously. I don't see him getting signed at all if football is played. And even if football, even if, even if this whole pandemic was not going on, I do not see him getting signed to begin with because really who a lot of teams are trying to rebuild their culture. And Nick's was talking, Nick was talking about the Eagles. And I can tell you right now, I watched all or nothing. Um, over over the last few weeks and that's on amazon prime for those that are are at home and have nothing to watch uh all or nothing is one of the greatest um documentaries on teams that i've seen in a long time carolina panthers arizona cardinals now the eagles this year season five i don't know the other two teams but um following watching those those three teams you've seen how there has been a change in culture um all around the league and just by looking at what Ron Rivera's Panthers did years ago, um, what, what Bruce Arians and the Cardinals did, or actually Cliff Kingsbury last year, um, it, 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 there is not a lot of room for him. And I think a lot of the things that are going on now, especially with this year's draft, Jerry Judy, um, a few others that uh, to be named, I don't know off the top of my head, but Jerry Judy is the biggest one that I could think of. Um, it, it's, he's not, he's, I think this, he's, he's done. And if he does get paid, it would be the veteran minimum. That's for sure. And he will be a bargain or maybe a diamond in the rough. I don't know. Well, we had a similar thing go on last season. Someone signed Kareem Hunt. He was suspended for eight games. He had a very, very bad domestic violence issue. He still got signed. It only takes one team to take the plunge. So I could definitely see him getting on a roster. And I think it actually helps that it looks like because of the pandemic, there might not be as many off-season workouts and things. So teams won't want to rush to sign him to get him into training camp. They'll be able to take their time. They can interview him over Zoom and video conference and things like that. They can make sure that he's getting the help he needs. They can make sure that they think his mentality is right. They can draw up a contract. Like you said, that's not going to have any guaranteed money. The Patriots have a grievance going right now because Brown thinks he should be paid and they don't think they should pay him. So that's going to be a whole thing that has to um, figure itself out. So we'll see. I, I think somebody is going to end up taking the chance because someone always does with these guys. Even Ray Rice, after his episode, got another job back in the league afterwards. So it's very, very hard to completely lose a spot. And I don't think he did enough to cost himself a job forever. And don't forget, also, how about Josh Gordon as well? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it wasn't violent. That played into his hands, his benefit. It was other stuff. The league was the one keeping him out, not necessarily teams not signing him. So, 
Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it, it's true. And I, I just, I personally don't believe that we're going to see a team right now. And the only team that I could see and really will be able to determine that after the draft, um, you know, even after the first round, the second round, whatever it is, will, or even, even after, obviously after the full draft is done, which usually me, by the way, will be a virtual draft. Um, we'll have to see um, what the, what the depth charts look like and we'll be uh we'll be uh, tyler will be having something else uh that he'll be building for us and we won't we won't uh, say that now we'll be uh talking about that moving forward uh starting next week on our twitter accounts uh facebook accounts youtube accounts wherever uh just keep an eye out on um at observe Eastern on Twitter moving forward fellas with, uh, with the NFL still, uh, because really this is the time we are, uh, about two weeks away or actually, uh, two weeks. Yeah. Roughly about two weeks away from the draft. Uh, it is April 10th here Friday. I, I, I like I said, I, I can't believe, I don't even know what day it is, what year it is, whatever it is. Um, the new jerseys for the Bucks and the Falcons. I'll start this one off. I think the Falcons jerseys are disgusting. I think the third jersey is fantastic, uh, which is the the general their their original or what they had last year and in previous years their um, their their back and black uniforms. Um, and the Bucks they go back to what their you know their glory days, if you will. Uh, I love those uh, the Bucks jerseys. Can't stand the new Falcons jerseys, fellas. What did you guys think when you saw um, when you saw those new jerseys? I mean, I agree with you. I didn't like the Falcons ones. I thought the black and white were very bland and stupid looking. And then that yeah. half red, half black one, right? Like, yep. Yep. Falcons not gonna have a red jersey. It's their color. How do you do that? And that one looked so dopey with the top half, bottom half. I didn't like it at all. The Bucks. I agree with you again. I love the new pirate ship going back to that vintage logo on the mm-hmm. sleeve. I was really hoping they'd have an orange creamsicle one. And I still hope that they have like that just for one game, man. It'd be so cool to see because I love that vintage jersey. But I thought the Bucks did a much better job, even though there were a lot of funny memes out there comparing them to the meme machine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tyler, what about you? I like them both. I have so many other things to be concerned with and investing time in. I'm not going to get bothered by jerseys. Although I did think the Falcons one was they could have done better, but I like them. The thing, the thing to me, and and you know, it's really okay. So it, it's I, I the biggest thing to me is is the ATL right here, and it's massive, and it, it's probably you figure about this wide, and it takes up the whole chest. You figure as you know, if you're wearing the actual jersey and goes over the pads, whatever, it, it'll stretch across the chest. That to me is the ugliest part. That reminds me, and Nick and Tyler, I think you guys can remember this, when ba- – uh, oh, my gosh, Baker Mayfield. No, Johnny Manziel was drafted into the NFL by the Cleveland Browns. That year, the Browns debuted a brand-new jersey following the Brandon Whedon year. Um, and the, that was, if I'm not mistaken, one of probably – one of the ugliest jerseys I've ever seen with Cleveland across the chest. You have the orange numbers with the, I think it was with the, the brown outline. It just didn't fit. And if I'm not mistaken, they, they retired those jerseys not too long after they were debuted. Yeah, I don't have distinct memory of any terrible Browns jerseys. I mean, 
it's hard for their color scheme. Like that burnt orange brown combo is very hard to make into a for eye friendly jersey, I guess. So I don't ever really give theirs much of a second thought because they're all kind of gross to me. It's just not an endearing color scheme. So yeah. they're also they're also really not an endearing team either. Well, yeah, that that too. When you're one you're one in fifteen every year, it's not like I'm paying much attention to. You. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, moving forward, um, and I know Nick really does not watch uh, Hard Knocks or anything along those lines, but I, did I will. The Jets year. What? I did the Jets year way back. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, but Danny Woodhead, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, but the biggest thing here is, is that uh, HBO and the NFL announced that the Rams and the Chargers will both be featured because of SoFi Stadium opening up in Los Angeles uh, or in Englewood um, just outside of LA this upcoming year. Now the Rams were featured less than five years ago uh, when they made their move from St. Louis to LA with Jeff Fisher. Do you guys believe, and I know that there's obviously not a lot of, you know, thought process with little things like this, but there are other teams like the Raiders who were on last year, um, that could potentially be getting a, I don't know, a spot on HBO. Why would you want the Rams again? Could you think of a better team, potentially, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who did not make the playoffs, and that's what Hard Knocks is all about. A team that did not make the playoffs the year before, trying to get there this year. Wouldn't you want to try and get to the Bucks? No, they want the LA teams to actually have fans. That's what this is all about. It's not like the stadium. They're trying to get people interested in the two teams that couldn't draw anything. They don't have any fans in LA. No one seems to give. So it's not a dig at them. Neither team fits there. They have NFL teams there. Nobody wants to watch an LA football. For whatever reason, they don't want it. I don't know why they jammed two teams in there. They had trouble filling their own stadiums. It's going to continue. They're trying to use hard knocks as a jumping off point to get people interested in both. That's why double feature will use the stadium as the whole drawing point, but they, they want to get people interested in these two teams. And as for them already doing the Rams a couple of years ago, I get that, but come on, what are they? Maybe two players in the whole roster that are going to be on both times. Like teams have such massive turnover in the NFL nowadays that it's hard to have the same team be on twice with a lot of the same players. This Rams team since um, Sean McVay took over is vastly different than the Jeff Fisher. They cleaned house and completely brought up their own team. So it's not like it'll be any of the same guys. Tyler, your thoughts? Yeah, so one of the things I was thinking of, and I was looking back at the list of everybody who's been on Hard Knocks, um, and there's definitely some teams in there uh, that probably should be or should have been by now. Um, Playing a little bit of bias here, but the Giants, one of them, uh, considering they haven't made the playoffs since, uh, I don't know, Lincoln was probably alive. Um, You know, there's definitely a lot of teams they could have showcased. Um, But looking back and doing a little bit of research as far as the last time the Rams were on, uh, they averaged about 450 to 500,000 views per episode. So, and that was one of their most demanding seasons, other than their first season and their return season after their uh, hiatus between 2002 and 2007. Uh, so, I mean, from a business standpoint, if the demand is there and that's what pe- if people are going to watch it, it makes sense to bring them back. Uh, I'm not trying to discredit teams that should be on there because I'm sure really at the end of the day, uh, whether it be a team like the Giants or a team like the Bucks or any, I guess, dumpster fire in the league, you'd call it, 
uh, I, I don't know if you consider the Bucks a dumpster fire anymore, but you know, at the end of the day, this is probably the last thing they're even concerned with anyway, a bunch of cameras following them all day. So I'm sure the teams could really care less if they're featured or not on the show. Um, as far as, like I said, from a business point, I don't know if teams get any of the cause of the money for it or if they get paid to be featured. But like I said, if the demand was there for the Rams, no harm in bringing them back. Yeah, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go with you, Tyler, on this. And, and the biggest thing here, and really I'll, I'll have to change my mindset up a bit. And, and the biggest thing that I see here is, is that L.A. is struggling. And ever since when they were announced in 2016, actually, right after the 2015 season, I remember I was out in Los Angeles, and I told both of you this story. The two times that I was out in L.A., both teams – from St. Louis and from San Diego, both declared on the day that I had arrived in LA that they were going out there. So I don't know if I should go out there again during, uh, you know, in January, because, you know, you never know, we might see another team head out there, flock out to, uh, to LA. But it, ever since then, I remember the hype when the Rams were coming home, the billboards were final, you know, all the, the banners were dropping. Everything was crazy. The, the Coliseum outside of it, that they were coming home. Um, you know, those days are, you know, they were, they were coming back and really it didn't live up to the hype. And especially with their, uh, with the 2000, uh, what was it? Two, uh, two years ago, uh, the Super Bowl when they completely flunked out, uh, now they, they signed Jared Goff. They traded away Brandon Cooks, which is where we'll segue into. And you trade away Brandon Cooks for a second round pick and, if I'm Bill O'Brien, I'm okay. Less need, in my opinion, completely robbed Bill O'Brien. And Again. you need you. Sorry. Again. Well, Bill O'Brien shoot, shot himself in the leg again twice. But Less Need now was the second general manager to absolutely fleece the Texans, and you're going to pay. DeAndre Hopkins, about between $12.5 and $12.7 million this upcoming year. Now, you're also going to have Brandon Cooks, who is an oft-injured wide receiver who is concussion-prone and who was knocked out of Super Bowl 52 and has not played a full season since his time with New Orleans. And that was two teams ago. What do you make of this, let's call it, deal i it, i'm gonna start this off the rams they needed to clear space and the texans added 16 million dollars what are you doing well that's not i don't think how the money worked out the rams ended up with like a 17 million dollar dead cap charge because of this they didn't save any money because of this they did it to get the draft pick um and because they felt like cooks dropped out of their rotation he wasn't playing much they'd rather give somebody else a shot but I don't think even the Texans had to take on the full salary either. I'm not exactly sure how the dollar for dollar worked out, but I don't think the Texans are paying the full thing because of all the dead money that's now on the Rams cap. But regardless, it turns out that the Texans are overpaid. Like you guys said, you have a second round pick for a guy who had a very bad year last year, a lot of injuries, getting older, not that productive. At his best, he's absolutely worth the second round pick. We saw him traded for a first round pick a couple of times already. So he's worth at least that when he's healthy. But the fact that we haven't seen it makes it seem like, I don't know how the Texans got pushed into a second when the Rams should have had no leverage whatsoever. 
So I don't, I don't get it. He, if he's healthy and productive, it could look like a good move, but it's very risky, especially when you've already traded away your number one receiver. You don't have a margin for error here. If Cooks is hurt or he's not effective, you have no wide receivers outside of Will Fuller, who's very, you know, risky himself. So I don't know. Bill O'Brien's building a very risky team over there with David Johnson and Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks being your prime skill guys around Deshaun Watson. And it just makes no sense to me, too, in a in a wide receiver heavy draft. Right. To give the second round pick when you can get a good young receiver at that pick, it's also very puzzling to get, you know, a guy who's not cost controlled anymore instead of having somebody who could draft and pay a lot less. Right. Exactly. Tyler. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea what, what's going on down in Houston. Um, what they, I've, it, it's hard to even put into words. It's like you've seen some – in all sports, you see very puzzling moves and very interesting decisions. But this, this is like a whole – this is like an elite group of what, what the hell is going on. You know what I mean? I starting to become Peter Cherelli level of like, who's I, this team? What is going on there? Yeah, like the Giants better start making moves with this guy. Right, everybody should be on the phone every day right now in quarantine. Like, hey, Bill, you, yeah, yeah. What do you think of Deshaun Watson? Like, is he annoying yeah. you today? Like, do I have something for like... <laughs> Yeah, it makes it, it to me it it makes no sense. And and I I don't I don't know how the money works there, but you think about it and you say to yourself, you know, you're really kicking yourself and you, you it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. You have Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, uh now Brandon Cooks. Uh, it's, it doesn't, oh, and also don't forget Randall Cobb, who now, um, is, I would say, I believe Randall Cobb now moves down to the third wide receiver, uh, on the depth chart. Yeah, he's Brandon their slot Co- guy. Right. Brandon Cooks now elevates to one immediately. Will Fuller will now be your two and Kenny Stills is now your four. So all of a sudden, if all is healthy, that's a good thing. But again, exactly what Nick said, it's a humongous gamble because you have two wide receivers that are oft injured and cannot stay healthy. So you, your number one and two could potentially be Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills, who, okay, yeah, they're scrappy, they're whatnot, but who do you have on your outside playing? I don't know. That's the issue. So we'll have to see what happens there. And now with the Texans just trading away uh, and trading four picks it's it's mind-boggling, and really, I think that that is the biggest storyline heading into this draft is to see what they're going to do because what they've done, it makes no sense to the three of us and most likely to a majority of Texans fans and, in general, football fans. Yeah, they still have another second-round pick because they got one from Arizona for Hopkins and they traded their own for Cook. So they have a second-round pick if they want to draft a receiver, but – then you have a crowded room. You have five guys that are capable of playing. So I know you, you have risky guys, but you, you can't just keep throwing bodies in there because then when they are healthy, you have guys not playing that deserve it. So you're right. They are a team to watch because you never know when they're going to strike on another crazy decision, especially if the draft gets strung out this year and they have a whole week of days to make new decisions and new trades and things like that. It could get very wild for Houston. I'd say they're definitely a wild card because you never know what they're going to pull next. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't. I honestly, I cannot wait to see what's going to be there uh, with Houston. But 
let's take a peek at uh, picks one through five, and, and we can really cross off number one because, let's be real here, Cincinnati is going to take Joe Burrow, and I think all three of us are on the same exact wavelength there. Andy Dalton is simply not going to work out, um, and he's also a free agent too. So Joe Burrow is uh, – sorry, no, he's not. Uh, thank you, Nick, my, my mistake. Uh, they're going it, to – it's a matter of time. He's going to be now moved, you figure, to – be a backup or he'll probably be cut at some point. I don't think yeah. they've done it yet. I think he's technically still under contract, but once they draft Burrow, they're going to let Dalton go. I don't think anybody's given them any kind of trade offer. So at some point they're just going to cut him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think, I think that, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll see what the deal is there. Um, Looking right now, it is 641 on the East Coast. Uh, NFL NFL talk is done for now. Uh, we do want to say we actually did not open up with the uh, – our show is presented to you by the Nolan Carroll Foundation. Um, but I, I, will, I will say this, and, and I know Nolan uh, would definitely tell me to do so, uh, not to donate to his charity, but really to donate to all of the first responders and all of the frontline uh, workers that are uh, fighting this coronavirus right now. Uh, donate everywhere, but also really Nolan Carroll Foundation as well uh, to uh, for science and math and uh, in the inner cities and underprivileged kids. Uh, donate at uh, www.nolancarrollfoundation.com slash donate uh, in case you have a couple extra dollars and a few, uh, few minutes to do so uh, after viewing our show. Uh, cancellations all around the globe. Uh, Tokyo 2020 now becomes Tokyo 2021. Uh, now, my question to you, Nick, is you are an NBA guy, and I, I would assume, you know, you're, you're not really a college basketball watch. You're not really a college guy. You're mainly, a, you know, you, you, you stick to your professional sports. Now, LeBron and, and the rest of the pro players who usually go to the Olympics in either the summer or winter, and the NBA has, you know, has a partnership with the IOC. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, the NHL does not anymore. They're not sending their players there during the season. Do you see that this, or do you think that this one year delay or postponement, if you will, would potentially change Greg Popovich's summer USA roster? Uh, I don't Drastically. I don't think – definitely not drastically. A lot of star players had already committed to playing if it was going to be this summer. So that obviously changes now with it being pushed back. But I really don't think any of those guys are like borderline retirees that would be like, oh, it's another year down the line. No, I don't think I'm going to do it, especially because we don't know what the heck is going to go on with the rest of the season. These guys might be sitting down for a while. Even next season could end up getting shortened. We have no idea what's going to happen with this pandemic. So I think basically the same set of guys that – said they would play are going to end up playing because by this time 2021 I would really hope this virus is completely taken care of and we have a vaccine and everybody's been cured and healthy and it becomes a footnote for the sports world instead of the main story but I can't see the roster changing that much I can't a lot of these guys love playing in the Olympics they really do and with basketball it's not like hockey where it's that hard on your body like like it's tough for these guys it's definitely a lot of work but it's not nearly the same the injury risk is not nearly the same I mean Paul George was a major freak thing the one year he got hurt. But other than that, we've seen almost no injuries, no um, play change. Like, these guys still get a month or so off to rest after the fact. So it shouldn't change anybody's decision. I would be very shocked. 
The only one, honestly, would be Popovich. Because he's the only one who's up there in age and might think, oh, another year, I might not even want to do this. So he's the only one I could see changing his mind. But I think even he said he would be okay with it. Yeah, I could see I could see if anything, Popovich would be would be the only change. Um, the only other one that I could see would be LeBron James. And I mean, I don't think that we're going to see a drastic change um, in how he plays next year um, with this, with obviously everything going on right now. Um, he came out publicly and said that this season uh, he wouldn't have, quote, closure, um, you know, with Kobe's death and everything. And um, I don't know. I almost feel like he would want to carry the torch um, – no pun intended, um, for, for USA basketball, um, in 2021. And I, I think that you look at what the, the last Olympics were in Rio and, um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was that one, or was it the year before where Anthony Davis was the first college player when he was on Kentucky? Uh, I don't know, Nick, tell me if it was Rio or was it, or was it, um, Beige, um, London? I think it was, it was, I know Beijing was 2008, London was 2012 and then 16 was, yeah. So like he was drafted like a couple months before. Right, right. Exactly. So, so for him to still not make his NBA debut, but also obviously he was just a he was a, a bench player under, uh, under coach K um in that year where it was the final time that we saw Kobe Bryant play um in the or on the world stage I just personally believe that after seeing that and I know it is eight years ago you're going to see someone who is drafted either this year or net well not sorry not this year because this year they'll be making their debut hopefully uh if as Nick said this pandemic slowly winds down um but even next year, if someone is to get drafted next year, that is a high lottery pick, we could potentially see them on that roster if Popovich or whoever else could potentially. And also, I think Jay Wright is also an assistant coach on there as well. Um, or I think he's one of the uh, consultants, whatever it is. Um, we could see some younger, some youth being, being pushed into uh, onto the world stage. That'd be pretty cool, I think. I feel like we could have seen Zion this year. Right. If, if they would have played it this summer, I think he would have absolutely had a, an argument to be asked. But I think for his health, the team might have said probably you shouldn't. But we've seen this before with guys that are drafted top two, top three, having the talent right off the bat. That's very apparent that they could definitely play on this kind of stage. It depends really on how many regular NBAers want to go. Like, if there was a superstar NBA player that wanted to go, they probably wouldn't pick the rookie over him unless that NBA player has done it a couple times or something. But, right. you know, there's a lot of circumstance there. But it wouldn't be unprecedented next year if they have a kid that gets drafted one so you can give him a chance to talk to all these high-level veteran guys and enjoy the experience. Yeah, I, I would say so. Tyler, do you want to add anything to that? Uh I, I mean, I, you guys know my uh, my NBA slash Olympic uh, uh, basketball knowledge is uh, slim to none, but I will do my best for you because I like you. Um, I don't Ooh, see thank too you. many drafts. <laughs> Go on. Um, I don't. I don't see too many drastic changes, um, especially you know a handful of guys, uh, LeBron James being one of them, 
uh, getting up there in age a little bit. Um, a lot, it's a lot of these, uh, who knows if this is going to be their last, uh, time going to the Olympics. Um, if that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Um, kind of just like, and I, I don't know how much the Olympics mean to some of these guys. Some guys might just do it because it adds Olympic time and gold medals to a resume. Um, I don't know if it's because they just genuinely enjoy being there, but, uh, being that this for, like I said, a select handful full of people that this could be their last time going to the Olympics. Um, I wouldn't expect to see too much drastic change. Um, that's pretty much all I got for you, man. Yeah, no, that's okay. No, that's okay. I obviously want, you know, everyone to participate in, in, in all of this and just to get their opinion out there. Um, I, I am honestly, and, and the summer Olympics to me, and I'll throw this out there and for the, for the viewers out there, I'm a summer Olympics guy. And the reason why is because I love, and I, and I know Nick will laugh at me when I say this, but I love to see ping pong and I love <laughs> ping pong. I love ping pong. I love badminton. And those, those two sports sports are normally, I normally play out in my backyard whenever I have some free time with my little cousins. But the best part about it is the sound effects that they give the competition the competition, though, that these guys give, and they put their heart on their sleeve. Basketball is is mainly dominated by United States and Spain. We get that. France here and there when Tony Parker was on that squad. Rudy Gobert now, um, and it, it's it's crazy to, to to. And obviously, I love the Winter Olympics too. Hockey being you know being the main one, um, but. It's just I always have, I always have this this knack or this love to see, um, to see to see that it's it, it's it's really a shame that it had to all you know all unfold this way, but it's 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 going to be worth the wait next year for sure when um, when everything is uh, said and done, God willing. Uh, let's keep moving forward here. Excuse me, six fifty. 650 here on the East Coast. It is Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the Primetime Rundown. Episode number 21 presented to you by the Nolan Carroll Foundation on the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Networks. I'm Joey Jerzinka alongside my guys, Tyler Riddell and Nick Partain. Let us get our guest of number or episode number 21 in here, Anthony Dioria from the Golden Sticks Golden Stick, Tyler, or Sticks? Stick. Stick. Golden Stick Wiffle Ball League. In just a few moments, we're going to get him in. Our first As up. he is going to be in here right now, and I will turn the table to Tyler Adele as he will be doing or doing this moderating right now. Thank you very much, Joe. Well, Anthony, with us, man? Hey, I'm right here. Can you see me? What's going on? Looking good. Yeah. All right, well, I know you're lying, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like Joe was saying, uh, this is Anthony Dioria, the main man, the head honcho of uh, Golden Stick Wiffle Bowl League uh, in the New York region. Uh, Anthony, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, with everything, going on, how are you? All in good health? Everything's good? Yeah, can't complain. Um, sitting here in Levittown, just minding my own business, waiting for um, quarantine to be over. Can't wait to get back outside. Uh, I unfortunately took a trip to the store today, so uh, I don't know. I guess I have to stay home for two weeks now. So that was pretty brutal. 
Uh, I, I feel you. I, I've limited my uh, store travel as much as I could. Um, had to go out earlier today myself. It's uh, it's crazy out there. Just uh, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it is what it is. Yeah, stay safe. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Facts. Let's get to it. All right. Biggest question for everybody: What is Golden Stick Wiffle Ball? Let me get back to you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, pretty much what Golden Stick is, you can see the logo spinning behind me. Uh, Golden Stick is one of the premier wiffle ball leagues in the country. Um, we've got players from uh, all the way up in New Hampshire and Vermont, all the way down in, um, in the Southwest and Arizona and uh, in California. <clears throat> and it's really just become this big uh, community of just guys looking for competitive wiffle ball. And, uh, you know, we've met a long time ago through, you know, just living in the same town. And you've seen it grow from, you know, some tournaments here on Long Island to now these massive national events. Um, in Staten Island and in Boston, and we've also back in the day used to have events in Vegas. Um, so the short answer is we're a wiffle ball league. The big answer is we're probably the most fun you're going to have playing wiffle ball all over the country. I can definitely second you on that one. Like I said, I've, I've probably this season I'll be going into my ninth season with you guys. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it, it's amazing how time flies. Time flies when you're playing wiffle ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's probably one of the most competitive things you can get yourself into um it's you meet some of the nicest and greatest guys in the world you also meet some of the best athletes you'll ever meet mm-hmm. uh guys who how many people you see whip a uh, with a whip a wiffle ball 90 miles an yeah, hour? not many um but you know yeah, we've all seen it. it and it's it's an incredible sight to be honest when yeah. you're when you're especially when you're at bat you know when you're sitting on the sideline you're like oh that's pretty fast like maybe i can hit that but then you take the bat and you go stand in the box. You're like, um, that's really fast. And that's a piece of plastic. And um, I have some work to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did nothing. I can tell you, uh, and you probably agree with me, nothing is more, uh, nothing mm-hmm. can be more scary or scarier than the first time you go step in the batter's box and you have uh, an 85-mile-an-hour curveball just about to clip your nose and then mm-hmm. hits the dead center of the zone. It's quite an embarrassing moment. And it's a very humbling moment. Uh, yeah. And for some, they don't come back after that. But for the rest of us, we push through and say, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to play competitive wiffle ball, and I'm going to get good at it because I love wiffle ball. So. Yeah, and it's obviously a very good thing for those who do keep coming because uh, mm-hmm. without the people who keep coming back and uh, mm-hmm. dedicating their time traveling to uh, New York and Massachusetts, uh, it's, we can't keep growing. I'm glad you said that because you're actually one of the great reasons why <clears throat> we've been growing as a league. You know, your willingness to bring your friends in and travel to Boston and travel to Pennsylvania when we used to play over there. Uh, I mean, you've been just as important as me or some of the other guys in helping grow the league. So thanks to you. Thank you. You, you know, I've always, I've been, what can we do to make this place better since day one? And even if it's something as small as doing the stats. whatever we can do to make it better which turns out Uh, not to be such a small thing (laughs) definitely it seems a lot smaller than it is until you go home with about 35 score sheets (laughs) and you have people texting you and calling you till about one o'clock in the morning how many home runs did i hit my strikeouts are wrong and it it, it, it shows you how much people care no doubt no doubt they want want to do good they want to do good personally and they want to they just want to compete i get it it's great so moving back to the league for a second. So format, obviously, we're, we play mostly foreign games, uh, fielding, pitching. How would, what's the best way you would describe that to somebody? All right. Well, so we have two different formats. We have what we were talking about before, the fast pitch format. <clears throat> and then we also have this medium pitch yard league, we call it format. 
Uh, the yard, I'll talk a little bit about the yard league because that's probably the most of our fan base now right now. It's a lot of our players play that medium pitch style now. Uh, pretty much you have a pitcher. You've got two fielders, either both in the infield, one in the outfield, and or one in the infield. Um, you can have up to a five-man lineup. And, yeah, like you said, we play four inning games. And the way the season goes is you play in these events called super qualifiers. And your performance in these super qualifiers uh, awards you points. And then as throughout the season, you want to accumulate enough points to eventually get to this top 16 national bracket that plays at the national championship, which is kind of like a shortcut to get to the national championship game on Sunday so you avoid playing pool play on Saturday. So that's really the goal of the season is to try to get as many points to get into that top 16 to give yourself that chance to get like that free pass, for lack of a better phrase, um, to Sunday. And then every game is four innings. Everybody's got a couple of pitches on their teams. Everybody can hit. It's, you know, it comes down at the end of the day, it comes down to who can pretty much get the last run or get the last strikeout and who's the last man standing. You know, one of the best things I think about uh, wiffle ball is uh, very comparative to a sport like hockey where uh, you go into a day and any team can beat any team at any given time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some exceptions where there's definitely some powerhouses like we've seen uh, with the enemy uh now we have 10 run rule mm-hmm. um who i will be trying to get on here to uh talk to them a little bit as well in the future but you know a team uh, i'm going to use them as a reference for a second uh, a team like the dark knights where a couple of years ago could barely scratch a win and last year they took down uh the number one overall i believe actually they were number two last year the enemy mm-hmm. in the uh, semifinals for the new york playoff so it's any it's anybody's game every day you know, you, and one of the things I learned as a player going into a game is after a game, no matter when it is in the day, whether it's the first game or the championship game, you just always treat it as if you're uh, – it's a brand new – you have no record. You're zero and zero. No doubt. And the way the, the event goes, for those who don't know, is you, you have pool play games in the morning, and then you have the single elimination in the afternoon to win the super qualifier. So like what you said, sometimes you can have a bad morning, but you know what? I still made the playoffs, and right now this is the most important game of the day is this one game. Forget about the three we played in the morning. Right now, this is my chance to start fresh and go on a run and take home a lot of points and also cash money. I mean, that's very important. Yeah, cash money. <laughs> we all good. want points, but we also wouldn't mind knowing that we played wiffle ball for six hours and went home with some cash. Yeah, very, absolutely. Very exciting. Yeah, and definitely one of the uh, the best things to think about is you could be, the, again, you could be the one, you can go one and two in your first three games of the day, or you can go 3-0 and you have just as much of a chance to win as that 3-0 team. I agree. I mean, I want to build upon what you said about the Dark Knights. They're a microcosm of what we've done with the league over the last 10 years. Um, just like any new sport, I mean, if you go back to the old NHL and the old MLB or the football, whatever, there was always a couple of teams that seemed to dominate, right, all the time. You know, the Montreal Canadiens have, what, 30 Stanley Cups? I mean, because they did who they play. They played the yeah. same teams. But over time, each league grew, they expanded, they brought in more players, and just naturally that talent pool kind of spreads out a little bit, and you have more competitive sports teams. And what's happened in the last 10 years in Golden Stick is because of guys like you and new guys coming in each year, each year, they kind of play. They're like, okay, I get it now. They go to another team. They kind of like do their own progression up from like a lower level team to a medium to a better team. And all of a sudden now, like you said, you've got 16 teams that show up on a Sunday morning that are like, no, I can win today. You know, we look at the look at the bracket, look at the pool we have today. Like we can easily go two and one, go on a run and win this event. And to me, that's the mark of a great event, a great league, is that everybody could show up and be like, I have a chance to win. You know, if you get to a point where not everybody feels like they can win, then you start getting guys kind of 
walking away and they're like, this is no fun to watch the same team win over and over again. And giving those teams an opportunity to be like, no, I, I can do this. That keeps them coming back for more. They get very hungry. Very, very hungry. I can tell you it's definitely that first win you get, whether it's a regular season win or it's a playoff, it may, it, you get that drive quick. But, uh, you know, and again, jumping back to the Dark Knights really quick, it's, uh, you look at them and they almost seem as if they've become the, the face of Golden Stick as far as bringing in youth because, they, again, they were a team that came from one, two win seasons a couple of years ago, way back in our older format. <laughs> Uh, to now teams that uh, last year they won two super qualifiers and they made a, a decently sized run into the open. That is, that is no doubt about that. They are a product of teamwork and friendship. And, you know, you have five friends that wanted to play wiffle ball on a competitive level and they could have easily after like the first three events being like, forget this, like we're going to go split up or we're just not going to play anymore. But the fact that the five of them have stuck together for what, I guess five years now and have <laughs> become a marquee team in the league. I mean, that's amazing. And it, it makes us look good. It makes the league look great and be like, wow. And, and they're also just great guys. Like, they're just oh, nice awesome. people. They're not arrogant. They're not uh, prima donnas. You know, we got plenty of those in Wiffle Ball. But these yeah. guys are definitely not. They're just good dudes from Suffolk County, New York. And they love playing Wiffle Ball. And they love the competition. They love being fun. And they're just – I can't – there's not enough uh, superlatives to describe their contribution to the league and really to the community as well. So, you know, going back to uh, talking about how a team can just not feel it up and quit or they get intimidated, which we've definitely seen a lot of one-and-done teams and one-and-done players uh, within Golden Stick, what would be your best suggestion to uh, a player who's intimidated with joining but wants to figure out a way to get into the league? That's a great question. Um, I would encourage them, as you see, I'm wearing a shirt that says Gaul on it. Um, this is our fall league that we've been running over the last – I guess we're going into our sixth fall this year, God willing. Um, and I encourage new players to reach out and try to join that league for a couple of reasons. One, it's not super competitive like the summer where it's, there's less rules about roster size and there's a lot more money and it's a lot more, you know, long days, aggressive stuff. The fall league is just simply pretty much a couple of double headers on a Sunday morning and you're home before football. That, that was the original idea of the league like we all want to play whiffs but we all know a lot of guys like let's make a league out of this and it's become a place for new guys to come in and give it a shot and not feel like there's all this pressure it's much less money and they're kind of just like whatever it's a lot more of a learning experience um it's also a chance for players already in the league who maybe they're not happy with their team or they kind of just joined a team just to get in they can meet new guys and meet other players and maybe form new teams the biggest difference between the goal uh, the fall league and the summer is that Fall League is a draft-style league. So we get eight captains, and we have a draft. So there's no, like, super teams. Everybody has a chance. And the teams are up to five and six guys. Um, because in the fall, we all know that everyone's got different agendas, and it's not the summer league. So the, to ask a guy to now play all summer and then commit to eight more weeks of Fall League wiffle ball, especially when the weather is questionable, is tough to ask. So we've come up with a system where you can have five, six guys on a team and not have this pressure of like, you know what, I don't have to show up this week. You know, I've got kids or like I'm going to a football game or whatever it is and um, be able to just be like, all right, I'm going to play five weeks of the seven. It's only, it's costing me much less money. It's, I'm out of there by 12, 31 o'clock. And I'm meeting all these new guys playing fun wiffle ball. So yeah. I would encourage all new guys to definitely uh, check out Gaul. 
it's a, we're on our, uh, it's on the Golden Stick page on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, Golden Stick with, um, and there's plenty of information about the Fall League, or you can always shoot us emails and we'll be more than happy to direct you in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you actually, uh, you jumped the gun on me. I was actually about to ask you, what's the best way to find Golden Stick? I, yeah, I know yeah. Facebook, well, Instagram. I'd say for a couple of years, it was difficult. <laughs> we've gone through a lot of, I would say we've gone through a lot of transition in our media over the last four or five years. There's been a lot of transition of who's been running our events and trying to take control. Some people are stepping back. And, but the one thing we didn't want to sacrifice was the product on the field. You know, sure, we may not have as many videos out there as other leagues or as many pictures or whatever, but everyone still knows that when they show up to a Golden Stick event, it's the best type of wiffle ball you're going to find. And we're just going to try to do a better job over the next few years of, you know, rebooting our social media, getting the YouTube page in order, getting our Facebook back up there, utilizing Twitter and Instagram, uh, Twitter at Golden Stick Whiff, Instagram again at Golden Stick Whiff, uh, YouTube Golden Stick Vids, uh, Facebook Golden Stick. Um, and if you want to shoot us an email, we, you can email the New York region specifically if you are from New York, nygswl at gmail.com. Or even if you're not from New York, you can still shoot us an email there. And we're in connection with all the other regions in the country. We're more than happy to help you out, whether you live in New Orleans, Tampa, California, Montana, Vancouver. So, so one of the, one of the uh, last points I want to get to right now, um, obviously, we could talk about Golden Stick for days. We can talk about how great it is. We can talk about how much fun we have. We can tell people to go to our, uh, your YouTube and the Instagram, but our YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're I, all I, community here, Tyler. We're all friends. It's everybody's YouTube. We're all family. <laughs> um, but in my opinion, the best way to get your best golden stick experience, uh, even if you don't play, you just come and watch for a day. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, due to everything going on right now in the world, um, everything as far as the next couple months go is uh, quote unquote tentative, hmm. but where would, you know, where's the uh, best place to go cast some golden stick? Well, uh, we've been playing at Eisenhower park uh, right here on e in East Meadow on Long Island for the last I don't know, five years. Now we've been on Long Island for the last 10. Uh, the league originally originated up in uh, Boston, like North Boston area. They still play up in Danvers. Uh, and then we play in East Meadow at Eisenhower park. Um, I would love to tell you exactly where we played Eisenhower Park, but now uh, with everything that's going on, there's like one of three options where we might be playing. So I'm not going to tell somebody, I'm not going to say one spot and have it change tomorrow. Um, but we used to play at what's called the old driving range is if you're coming from Hempstead Turnpike, you go north uh, through like Eisenhower Park, you know, if you're going up to like Merrick Avenue over there and right on the right side, there's this whole patch of grass and we used to have 12 wiffle wool fields lined up. So Plenty of people um, definitely have driven by and been like, what is going on over there? That's yeah. wiffle ball? Probably, where are all these weird people in the shorts? <laughs> yeah. uh, but to give everybody a little bit of a, uh, a better perspective, it's, all, it's the finish line for the marathons as well. Oh, that's true. That is yeah. a good point. Well, that's, ironically, that's why we haven't been able to use that field now because the Every year. marathon, great event, uh, used the, the, like you said, they use it for the staging area, and it was totally destroyed after the event last year. Uh, yeah. because it rained and the mud and the cars and it was just a disaster and yeah, it was a shame but we were able to find a new spot on the other side of the park which was nice and the new spot's great i love the new spot it definitely uh compared to some other places we've been uh even whether it was temporary or long term it's definitely in my opinion one of the best spots we've yeah, had and so it's good it's an easy landmark now because it's, it's still an hour park but it's right by the islanders uh practice facility um, so, uh, well, like the, the team store, excuse me, whatever the Northwell ice center. My, That's the practice facility. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you should know, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's easy to be like, Hey, yeah, look for the big Islander sign. And like, 
now we have a little more of like a, you know, a marquee going for us. So hopefully we'll expand even more this year, even if it's a short year. Uh, I, I hope it's not a short year. Uh, you got to just reschedule. Don't cancel. Well, I, listen, I think we've made it very clear that we're not going to cancel the season at all. That's not happening. We're just going to take it one event at a time. You know, all of our events are set in stone. There's nothing that's going to remove us from the, regardless of where on the park, there's nothing that's going to remove us. So we'll just go, you know, as long as the president or whoever keeps extending the social distancing, we'll just follow up and be like, all right, so we, this one, this event is a wash. Next one's a wash. I'm optimistic hot take that Memorial day will be like a symbolic time for not just our league to get started, but like the whole country to start being like, all right, I'm going to go outside and I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm going to feel a little more comfortable being out there. Hopefully it would be nice if it was around Memorial day. Cause it's such a historic holiday. You know, we can remember everyone who unfortunately died during the event. And then also remember all the soldiers that have given their lives for our country over the years. It would be a nice symbolic way to be like, you know what? It's over. It's past us. Let's get outside. Let's play some wiffle wall. Let's barbecue. Let's maybe not shake hands, but at least maybe be five feet from each other instead of six. You know, so we shall see. Yeah, a lot, a lot of this going on. A lot of guys. <laughs> well, what's league. great about wiffle ball is that you're forty three and a half feet away, so you could play somebody one on one, and as long as you just have your own set of balls, like it seems like the perfect social distancing sport you got. Tyler, if you don't mind, I, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd, I'd like to ask one question. Anthony, I'm Joey Jarzinka. That's Nick Partain, by the way. Uh, first off, cannot thank you enough for being here with us on the Primetime Rundown. And, uh, and I, love, uh, I love the shirt you're wearing. And I also <laughs> love, the, uh, I love the, the Golden Stick Wiffle Ball uh, logo in the background. And, and how you have it, the, uh, the After Effects, is, is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, now, my question to you is, is that you, you, know, you and Tyler were just talking about um, you know, making this a really fun uh, summer event. And now with everything going on, um, is, is there someone specific that you, uh, that you are in contact with on, I don't know, maybe a weekly basis to try and you know, get basically an update? Um, you know, just so, you know, you could potentially have guys that are paying their fees, um, or, or whatever it is. And then they're thinking to themselves, well, am I going to get that money back? Or, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, you know, you guys wouldn't do that. I'm saying, you know, just the thought process of, are you seeing a decline in, in, uh, in membership or vice versa, anything along those lines? I think those are all great points and fair questions. Um, no, the decline of membership, no. Uh, the frustration, yes, is increased. The guys are ready to play. They, they're, they, they know we're going to play at some point, whether it's in three events, four events, one event. So, and, of course, if we, the whole season is a scrap, I'd be more than happy to give people their money back because really a lot of that money pays for field permits, and if we're not going to play on a field, then give it back. Yeah, right. um, my coworker, uh, Rob Landrieu, who also helps run New York and the rest of the stick with me, he's been in contact with the Nassau County Field permit department essentially on a pretty weekly if not multi by you know twice a week kind of basis just giving us updates on you know who's allowed at the park what the deal is and um unfortunately the most recent information which i haven't actually we haven't made public yet so consider yourself privy to this information is they've extended the closure of the parks to may 15th which now puts our may 17th date in jeopardy um i believe they only did it to the 15th because it's a friday and they know that parks are usually busy on weekends so they wanted to maybe reserve the fact that maybe we can have it open that weekend my biggest concern is that they can still have all these things going on in the park but they're going to look at us as like well you've got 75 people here playing a wiffle ball tournament that's a lot of people maybe we maybe we're not going to let you play i don't know that i hope that's not the case i hope it's either like you can play or 
the park is closed, you can't play. I, don't, I would hate to then be like, yeah, the park's open, no problem, but you can't play because you have too many people. That'd be like, which would be the most ironic thing to ever happen, right, Tyler? Yeah. Now, now we have too many people. Now we can't play. It's a problem to have too many people. Yeah, I remember um, there was plenty of times back at, way back when we were scrapping for teams because people mm. were back out uh, at 12.01 Sunday morning. And, oh, my God. Um, actually, I do have a question for you now. Uh, depending on if they actually capped out uh, how many people we could have in the field at once, um, would we split into maybe two or three sections uh, throughout the park? That's a very fair point. We do have access to the other field if it's available, and even if it's not in great shape, if, that, if that's what it takes to deal, set up four fields here, four fields there, or three and four. You know, we're, we've become very good at make, making fields now in, in a variety of locations, so I'm not really worried about, oh, we have to, like, make fields. Like, that's the least of my concerns. I'm more concerned about, like, where can we do it, and are we going to be allowed to? So... But yeah, listen, we're going to do everything we can to play with football. We're definitely not going to take the easy way out and be like, eh, we're just not going to run events this year. That's like the farthest thing from my, my mind specifically. And I know Rob and other guys who want to run. In fact, we had a um, meeting the other day on Zoom with some other guys from Fast Pitch about just like, hey, what are we doing? Like, are we going to, is there going to be a, uh, an open again this year? Like, are we going to, you know, people want to start booking flights and we're afraid that, you know, to book flights and, you know, you know the deal. So People are chopping at the bit to play with, so the last thing we want to do is is deprive them of that. But there's only so much we can do, unfortunately. Yeah, we're all in a position where this is really uh, out of everybody's hands. Uh, one more thing I want to touch up on really quick. I know I said that probably three questions ago, um, <laughs> but for anybody, while we're sitting around uh, in this quarantine or self quarantine with uh, no work, do you have any kind of a platform that people could listen to just? general football talk oh that is a great leading question tyler that is true uh actually so since fall league uh even actually before that since the open of our uh and the end of our season championship last year we started this podcast called the let's go sunday podcast um which essentially the reason why it's called let's go sunday there's a historic video of uh this team called neef that um was playing in texas in 08 and they had a big home run to get them to sunday which was like you know the second half of the tournament and the guys just running around let's go sunday you know so it became this like rallying cry at every tournament whether it's on a thursday or a tuesday it doesn't matter it was like let's go sunday it was, became a metaphor of getting to the championship so i we all felt like this could be a great name for a podcast. So we're called the Let's Go Sunday podcast. Uh, we, we usually try to stream live on Facebook Sunday mornings during the season. Now that we're not in the season, we've been recording, uh, you know, like what you guys are doing using Zoom as a platform, um, just having, you know, going on Instagram live, trying to get people on. Um, so on YouTube, we have a New York Golden Stick account and then the at Golden Stick vids. Um, Soon, I'm actually in the process of working on it, putting a nice playlist together of all of our Let's Go Sunday podcasts so they'll be available for everybody to listen to. Um, there's also uh, hundreds of other Whiffable podcasts out there. There's our friend James Stein does a podcast called Shut Up Stein. Um, there's a Major League Whiffable podcast whose name is slipping my mind right now. But if you just simply Google Whiffable podcast, there's a lot of material out there to listen to. Um, and so it would be really, you know, actually one of them is calling me right now. I don't have to ignore it. Ed Packer. hate to see it. So uh, he's but, not um, that important. <laughs> he's only a, one of the greatest players. No big deal. Yeah, one of the greatest. <laughs> players. Um, but yeah, so our YouTube channel is going to have all these Let's Go Sunday podcasts. Uh, they're on Facebook already, uh, Golden Stick on Facebook. Um, so yeah, 
look for us. We're going to be, I'm going to be posting and dropping a new video on Sunday morning, hopefully. And then trying to go live as well again. But you know, just like you guys, we're trying to like learn what we can do, what we can't do in this quarantine, what's good media, what's bad media. You know, we all want to throw a bunch of stuff out there because everyone's looking for stuff, but that doesn't mean it should be garbage. You know, I mean, you want it to still be nice. And I try my best with the, with the graphic. I can't take credit for this. My friend Andrew put it together. He just showed me how I can throw it on the TV and on YouTube app and just run it. I'm like, this is great. And then, you know, this is my Adam Schefter lookalike uh, bookcase. <laughs> um, and Tyler, in case you were curious, I don't know if you guys are from Le the Levittown area as well. Yes, those are Levittown Central trophies up there. Um, so classic memorabilia here in the Deoria household. So the last thing I want to get to you with to, to uh, with you today, uh, we're going to take off the commissioner hat for a minute. We're going to put on the player hat. Oh. Breaking news, five last things, Tyler said. Because... Yeah, I was just going to say that as well. <laughs> well, no, that was the last thing of the commissioner part. We're oh. gonna get to... <laughs> now, this is the first thing of the commissioner, uh, the non-commissioner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the first of the non-commissioner. Uh, <laughs> so, as I stated before, uh, we're going to try and get one guy from every team on here every week to just talk about their team a little bit. Um, tell us about your team. Sure. Uh, my team name is the, with the Players. Uh, that's been my franchise since I came in as an owner in 2011. And, you know, we're beautiful, beautiful baby blue uniforms, dark blue shorts, mint. Um, I've got a, a good couple of good teammates this year. I have my friend Eric Anderson from Rhode Island. Uh, he's usually played in the Massachusetts region for the last bunch of years, but that region has been going through some changes as well. So he wanted to come play in New York. And that's how I also got our friend Andy Rapaki to also join us. Um, he's from the Massachusetts area. So I actually have two guys traveling from New England to New York to play in wiffle ball. So let's just shows you the scope of the league uh and then who's been on my team for years unfortunately is going to be more on a part-time basis this year you know wife kids job especially with the stuff going on now you want to take a break no problem uh and then finally my biggest free agent acquisition in a long time probably since drew is nick niff mantuo um originally he used to play on that team niff uh neith really? i mentioned earlier um, he played on the dead end kids last year. He's been around with for a long time. He's the man. He also is a avid wrestling addict. And I love that we have some WWE energy on the team now. And I know you can definitely appreciate that. Oh yeah. Um, who do you, who do you think he looks like? I know, you know, he, he looks like somebody. Uh, I, I don't know. He, he kind of looks like the undertaker. A little bit. <laughs> a little, a little bit. bit. Now you call him Seth Rollins. I'm like, Hey, Seth Rollins, you gonna hit the ball today? Or what? <laughs> um, yeah, I thought what happened? I thought he was moving. Yeah, well, you know, things happen. People say stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't think he didn't want to move. I just think that sometimes stuff happens and, you know, you can't move. And I think I know he loves, you know, so he's going to move to Texas. He loves going there. He still wants to go there. I just don't think it's the climate for him to move now. So he's like, I'm back in. I called him up literally eight minutes after Drew told me he was part time. I was like, Niff man, hey, uh, you want to play with You want to play with You sure want to play with Really would love for you to play with this year. <laughs> so you know, I think, uh, and he's great yeah, for us. I think, yeah, it's a big, that's a big move for you guys. He, provide, he provides uh, some pitching depth. He's a great hitter. He provides that pash, that energy. Like he's probably the most exciting guy to play with. Even play against, you're like, I love this guy's energy. Now he's on my team. We're we're. I'm so pissed we haven't played yet because I'd be so excited for the home opener uh, on the opening day in a couple weeks, and we would go out there. We, we're ready to run all over everybody this year, um, hopefully. But we're very excited as, as an organization, definitely. Yeah, I mean, players. yeah, I mean, I feel you. Um, definitely brings you a lot of energy to the table. Definitely brings that uh, 
you know, you want to talk wrestling terms, he brings the charisma. Mm. Uh, he's definitely, he's the guy, even if you're having the worst day in the world at Whiffs and you have to play him in your last game, you're going home smiling. There's yeah, no, no question. No. Yeah. Uh, but he could tell you what he wants to tell you. He couldn't give up Golden Stick. That's why he's here. Because you know he was going to go to Texas and probably within three months be like, hey, so I found eh, four teams and we're going to run a Golden Stick event here. I'm like, great. I'm getting on a plane right now. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what? It would have been win-win. We keep NIF or yeah. Golden Stick uh, Texas. I'd say Golden Stick's become this like cult following now. Guys can't – once they get a taste of it, they, they can't live without it. They, they crave it. They crave yeah, it. I feel you. It's de- like you said, it's definitely uh, addicting. A uh, little uh, short story. Um, when I got into the league, I reached out uh, at the time when Rob was running everything by himself, uh, reached out, got involved. Uh, I got on my first team. Uh, I showed up. We were supposed to have six people on the team. Uh, three people never showed up, paid for the uniforms, and uh, no one ever heard from them again. Uh, I ended up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ended up with uh, Tom Polly, who's turned into another face of golden superstar 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 now and uh who else was on the team at the time ah chris bale Uh, oh yeah right oh right that guy that guy um but yeah i mean we that was and that was in the bay park days back in uh far rockaway uh or east rockaway correct me if i'm wrong correct east rockaway uh that was it was i remember we got blasted our first day we lost all Mm -hmm. six games in in the old format Mm. uh but it's you you could lose every game in mercy rule. Or you can win every game on a walk-off and you, there's no way you're not coming back the second time. I appreciate you saying that. It's a lot of fun out there. Yeah. I mean, we all went through our downsides. I've, I feel like I've always been on teams that have been like right there and have been on like a great team. Um, so it's even more fun when you win because you know, you've worked really, really hard to get to that W. And then, you know, when you look at the clock and you're like, Oh, it's three 30 and I'm still playing. It's been a good day and it's, it's yeah. satisfying. Yeah, definitely the unwritten rule of thumb in uh, Golden Stick, especially for us, is if you're still playing wiffle ball around 4, 4.30, you're having a good time. You're having a good, very, real good very day. Good day. Yeah, I agree. Anthony, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Everybody, uh, remember, you can find Golden Stick on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Golden Stick Vids or Golden Stick Vids New York. Also look for them with their Let's Go Sunday podcast. You can find that on YouTube, and you can look for their clips on Facebook. Hey, man, listen, appreciate you guys letting me on the show. I hope all is well with all your friends and family everyone stay safe joey and nick and tyler thank yeah. you so much and uh tell, talk you. to you guys soon stay, safe, stay thank well you so, yeah thank you for yeah. coming no yeah doubt. thank you so much anthony and uh, and i do hope uh that, well i'm sure we'll definitely see you uh, again for sure your friends your mm-hmm. family and yourself all stay safe cannot thank you enough for joining us here on the primetime rundown right here on the eastern observer anthony dioria everybody golden stick wiffle ball league anthony thank you so much for joining us here ladies and gentlemen let's keep it moving here on the on the prime time rundown episode number 21 cannot thank tyler for doing such an amazing job uh with with this right now uh being being the moderator tyler this is uh this is a different a different thing we'll we'll have to have to give you a grade on it after uh, after the show yeah, I think uh, you might have to watch out for your job, but whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, listen. Absolutely. Get out of here, and this seems to be a good path. So, I mean. Yeah when, yeah. when you become uh, all big and famous, uh, yeah, right, I'll just right. throw you out of your basement, and we can do the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> We're still in his basement. That would be great. <laughs> yeah right that would be that would be something definitely mom karen is our third i was gonna yeah, yeah. They got, i was gonna say karen will definitely uh definitely uh 
uh, welcome you guys into my home as always. But uh, we like Karen more than we like you. Yeah, well, that's what Nick tells. Yeah. See, see, Nick says that all the time, uh, <laughs> and and the rest of my friends actually. Um, moving forward here on number twenty-one of uh, the primetime rundown. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Tyler Adell, Nick Partain, I'm Joey Josing. I cannot thank you all enough for joining us here on this good friday evening 723 here on the east coast we still have another 30 uh, 37 minutes i had to get the math right there nick uh 30 now 36 minutes uh 36 minutes left to go here on episode yeah please i i don't i don't need i don't need i don't need the nastiness thank you um uh, uh, I, I can't. I can't even. I can't even say it. This. It's. It's. Let me take a job. Yeah. <laughs> mind-boggling. <laughs> mind-boggling. Once I say this, and this is not uh, one to smile about. Um, this hurt me uh, as someone who's worked in college, uh, in college sports, and still does. Um, and just morally, and and uh, for genuine. Uh, knowledge of the situation. Uh, a few days ago, actually yesterday, um, we saw a tweet uh, come from multiple sources, one of which being 24-7 sports. And uh, Oklahoma State football head coach Mike Gundy, um, he released this statement uh, regarding the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And he said this, quote, uh, the NCAA, the presidents of the universities, the Power Five conference commissioners, the athletic and the athletic directors need to be meeting right now, and we need to start coming up with answers. The uh, end quote. The Oklahoma State head coach said inside a near hour long teleconference that included a twenty minute monologue to start off. Quote: In my opinion, we need to bring out player uh, to bring our players back. They are 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 years old, and they are healthy, and they have the ability to fight this virus off. If that is true, then we sequester them and continue because we need to run money through the state of Oklahoma, end quote. Fellas, I need to ask you this because I can't I, – I can't I, – I don't think I should start because I could probably go until 7.58 and – absolutely destroy what head coach Mike Gundy said in a teleconference, which I just read guys, your thoughts on this. He just doesn't get it. He just doesn't. He doesn't understand that it has nothing to do with the young people. It has nothing to do with if you're healthy. It has nothing to do if you can fight it off. It's about stopping it from spreading to every single person in the country, in the world, people that are most vulnerable that could pass away from this, people in the healthcare industry that are the ones trying to take care of the sick people. You can't have people getting together for any reason right now other than if it's a dire need. This is ridiculous. The fact that he has no understanding of it and he's stuck at home right now with all this time to understand it is sad and pathetic. You can't have people going out and putting themselves and their entire families and everyone around them at risk because you want to make a couple extra dollars for your state. Their government, they have plenty of money. They've got plenty of tax money. They can divert it away from things that they normally have to pay for that aren't going on anymore. It'll all work out. Mind your own business. Keep yourself safe and try and keep your players and your co uh, college students safe. Don't risk so many people's lives over something ridiculous like this. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing to sports, embarrassing to Oklahoma. It's embarrassing to anybody involved in this. Everyone needs to understand you need to stay home unless you absolutely have to leave. And you should never be within six feet of people at this point. You should absolutely take every precaution 
because we want this thing to stop killing people as soon as possible and let everyone get back to their normal lives. Tyler, you are a volunteer yeah. for you are a volunteer first responder and um, sorry? Former. Well, that's fine. Still former, whatever it was, still um, a thank you to your service then and now, whatever it may be, regardless former, regardless whatever it is. Um, you were a firefighter. You were a paramedic. Um, you, you've worked in the industry that both Nick and myself have not. Um, and because you have the experience being on the front lines of obviously, thank God, nothing of this magnitude you've ever had to deal with. Um, what are your thoughts being someone who's worked in that type of environment to Mike Gundy? Non-explicitive. Yeah, I'll do my best. Um, it was... So, for those who don't know, I, I did five years in my local fire department. Uh, I, I was primarily a firefighter. Um, I didn't dab too much into the paramedic side. Uh, the way my, my firehouse used to run was um, everybody could ride everything. So, we could ride uh, the ambulance, obviously the fire trucks. Um, so, we would do a lot of rescue calls. Uh, luckily during my time in the department, uh, we never dealt with anything like this. Um, I, you know, the worst we ever dealt with was blizzards. Um, you know, there was Hurricane Sandy, which is before my time in the department. Um, so when you go on, when you would go on a medical call, you know, you're some, most of the time, your biggest concern was getting the stretcher into a house because you have to fight it through the snow. Um, definitely, I mean, look, you definitely get to some scenarios. Um, obviously, any, any, I don't want to say customer, any person dealing with um, any kind of underlying condition, uh, COPD, uh, HIV makes the whole experience a little bit scarier um, because you're being exposed to that trying to either get a person to a hospital and from time to time save their life. Um, I ha I'm in touch with some guys still from the department um, and their day-to-day -day life hasn't changed much uh with the exception of not going to work because uh, you can't you can't shut down fire departments you cut you can't shut down first responders so these guys are still willing to go to the firehouse and expose themselves to the to the disease or the virus willingly and know that they, they can be bringing it home to their families um and like you were saying, the biggest thing is controlling the spread. Um, basically, to break it down, for, I guess, if you want to call it uh, coronavirus for idiots um, or dummies, whatever the book is. Um, dummies, yeah. Dummies. Um, you, you know, one person has it, you know, like say one of these uh, college athletes have it and, uh, you know, he's fine. He could be fine. You know, that's one of the things about the coronavirus. You can you can get the coronavirus, have the coronavirus, and get rid of it and never even know you had it. 
So that kid goes out onto a football field or a basketball court. And after the game, he goes and takes a picture with the kid. So he now passes it off to that kid who runs back to his parents to show them the picture he took. So now you have three people that it's been spread to in less than a minute. Mom and dad go to work tomorrow. They spread it against amongst all the people they have, all the people they work with. They go home to their families and it becomes a never ending chain. And you have a thousand people that they are exposed to the coronavirus from this one guy all within, you could have it in less than 24 hours, depending on how fast it moves. So for this guy to come out and say that, oh, these players are young enough to just get over it and they can play through it, it's probably one of the most ignorant, gut-wrenching, and disturbing things I've ever heard. Because, you know, it's – I bet if this guy's son or daughter had the coronavirus – you wouldn't want his kids playing sports. He wouldn't want them going out, but it's okay for somebody else's kid to do it. So you guys can put money in your pockets. I can't be the only one who hears what's wrong with that. <laughs> you know, it, 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 we got to, the reason why it's not slowing down is because of morons like this guy who just don't care. You know, we're, we're all in New York. We're being told if we're going out to stores, we got to wear a mask and wear gloves. This guy, this guy's probably the guy who's going out, no mask, no gloves, walking through the store, touching everything, coughing in his arms, and banging on every restaurant's door at night because he's trying to grab a meal. He, this guy has zero regard, and I, I, I would never, I, I don't want to wish Janita will on him, but yeah, you know I'm gonna, saying. yeah, and and and. And I know, and I know you're trying your hardest to, you know, to, to, to be composed or as composed as possible, because again, you are, once you're in it, and it's just like the military, once you are a military, you, once you are in the army, you are in the army forever. You are a firefighter forever. And that's exactly what you are. So that's why I thanked you before, uh, for your service, because what, you do is not only special um but not everyone can do it wants to do it has the mentality to do it it takes a toll on you physically mentally and everything so you know it's it's a special kind of crazy person yes it does and 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 all joking aside you know you are you are the perfect person for you know all of the above but again again all all joking aside um because Tyler is definitely bongos um, and, and not because of the firefighter part, just because that's who he is. I'm going to, yeah, yes, exactly. Right. Nick said this perfectly and I'm going to throw in a couple of cents and we don't, I don't get political um, on the show. That is um, because that's not, that's not where this show is. And that's not where um, we look to obtain our viewers. Um, Excuse me. Um, I understand what he's saying because of the money part. I get it. But you have to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is to save lives. And exactly what Tyler said is that if, if someone, if one player gets it, and if there is no restriction 
on a player going or running, even running past a player that is just above the tunnel and he coughs one little cough from a lot of the, the, um, the, the generated images that we've seen where how far this cough can travel. It can, apparently it can travel across another supermarket aisle. It could travel from what people are saying is 27 feet. I think that's, I think that's a reach. And I, I mean, I'm a, di- I'm a germaphobe, like beyond germaphobe and 27 feet. That's a lot. Okay. Six feet. Factual. Yeah. I, I get that. Sorry. Factual. Right. So, 27. I mean, yeah, no factual. That's very accurate. Uh, it, I mean, but it also depends on like the elements. I guess. I mean, right. Well, 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 that's what I was saying is that one strong wind, if that is the case, one strong wind of 27 feet, that could potentially double. And well, forget, forget about one strong wind. You go into a supermarket and it's humid. That thing, it's, you're going to cough and it's not, it's going to linger. Right. Right. You exactly. Know, five feet. It's going to go five feet, but hang out in that big cloud. Right. And, and that's, and that's the biggest thing that I see here. I see ignorance. I see arrogance. I also see some, you know, mental issue, obviously, with the fact that he's probably been cooped up at home. I get where he's going with it. But if he were to get it or his entire coaching staff were to get it, then you know what? Then I think he'd have a different mindset. If his wife, if his children were to get it, if a family member were to get it, he wouldn't be even he that those words would never even utter out of his mouth. And I think that that is the most disgusting thing that I've ever seen in a very long time or potentially ever. And not only is it arrogant, it's ignorant, it's selfish. That's the worst part about it. If there was, and I will give him this, I will give him this. You can play in the midst of all of this. If there was a vaccine where you could just pump them, and that's it. And then in the next, and maybe, you know what, in an hour or two or whatever it is, or maybe even a day, they'd be fine. A day. But there is nothing that there is now. You have people dying left and right. And I will tell you this, fellas, my next door neighbor right now is fighting for her life right now. She has pneumonia right now. She could barely breathe right now. The whole virus went through her entire family all four of them, all, or rather four out of five of them are recovered. She is not. And it's scary because if that was hit Mike Gundy's wife, we would not be having this conversation. I, I can't even discuss this any longer, and I don't think any of us should anymore. And I'm sorry I had to bring that up, but that was something massive in the news that was just disgraceful. And, uh, and I even saw it on ESPN as well. Um, I would like to think that this guy is not going to have a job too much longer. I don't know. I don't know about that because he is, he is a, uh, a pretty good, a pretty good coach. Um, I don't care how good of a coach you are. If you want to go out and say something stupid like that, you don't deserve a job. Well, that it's going to be, that it's going to be one hell of a job for the spokesperson of, or the athlete or the, uh, the SID of uh, Oklahoma state football to try and figure out uh, how to, uh, to, to uh, put out the fire uh, if you will, from that. Um, Fellas, let's let's move forward to something a little bit more positive, if you will. Um, first off, just a, uh, just about a week and a half ago, Wimbledon was uh, was canceled. The the championships at Wimbledon, uh, the tennis championships, was canceled for the first time since World War II. Uh, the British Open, uh, the Open Championships, uh, is canceled for the first time since World War II as well. 
the Masters uh, intends, quote unquote, intend, intends to be rescheduled until November. I think, um, as both of you know, I'm an avid golf fan. I love golf, um, you know, and I think that to see, I always think of the Masters as like the beginning of my summer. Uh, you know, you hear the birds chirping, you know, in, in Atlanta or in Augusta rather. And, um, you know, you see, you see the guys on the golf course and it's just, you know, you know, that summer's coming up here in New York and, um, you know, obviously, you know, the, the trees don't, you know, the, the leaves don't, uh, don't begin to bloom, um, right away here. Uh, cause it is still cold. Obviously today it was freezing. Um, but you know, and today would have been round number two of the masters and, uh, to see it in November with potentially the leaves falling, I think that'd be pretty cool rather than, uh, rather than see them bloom. Um, but I know you guys don't really, uh, don't really care for golf or watch that much. So I will, uh, that, that was just a touch up, um, because that is in the news, obviously in a humongous, um, championship round, or it's the first, actually the first of four grand slams for, uh, the, the PGA tour. Um, but it's still uh, a big part of this week and always this week. Um, as again, as we said, the masters intends to be rescheduled till November, but the biggest one that we just got, actually uh, the biggest bombshell that we got a couple of days ago, I believe it was yesterday, actually, when Tyler texted it to me, uh, UFC 249 and 250 were canceled. And I wrote down in our prompt, finally, um, Tyler, let's start with you about, uh, about this, uh, about this. You have uh, no idea what how big of uh, a weight on my chest this was for a very long time before even the coronavirus got here. Um, I have uh, I have one of my friends who's listening right now, and uh, she's going to know exactly what I'm talking about because. Um, well, thank you, Tyler's friend, for uh, for for uh, for listening to us. Yeah, and if you and and also if you have uh, if you have a. Uh, uh, a question, a comment, or if you want to even join the show for just a few moments, Tyler will send you the information right now. Go on, Tyler. Insert generic plug here. There you uh, go. So me and her boyfriend, who is actually one of my best friends for about 15 years now, were supposed to go to UFC 249 because it was in Brooklyn. And the tickets, obviously the main event for that fight was uh, – Beat Ferguson, which is, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how much you guys follow uh, UFC, but that, that fight's a big deal. It's been rescheduled so many times now. Um, and it, it was like it was finally going to happen. And uh, we were like, all right, you know, we, we'll go. And he was on my case to get these tickets. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to go. I did. But part of me was like, I, 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 how do you justify $300 on a ticket to sit up in heaven? Um, but I'll be honest with you. I was going I, I, I to do it. Uh, we had already come to the conclusion it was happening. So obviously we saw the prices and we were like, um, we, uh, we're going to wait for our tax returns and we're going to revisit this. Yeah. So you know, we both got our tax information right away. Did it. We, you know, I had my return within 12 days. Um, he got his pretty quick too. And then we went back and, uh, looked and obviously we were like, all right, you know, now we're going to wait for it to drop. You know, like we have the money now we just wait. And then as soon as it started to drop, it was like 240, 250. And we we're like, it's dropping like super quick. And did then you tell, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, but, but with Nick as your accountant, did you tell him that you needed the cash now? <laughs> Nick's not my boss. Um, so, um, yeah, we were like, something's happening. Like, so there's a re like it is dropping fast. 
uh, and we couldn't figure it out. And then within a couple of days, they were talking about this whole coronavirus thing, and then everybody, you know, obviously started canceling their events. And then uh, UFC 249, believe it or not, uh, not believe it or not, but it was still scheduled for an arena that hadn't, you know, for an arena that shut down already, you know. So um, we were like, well, they're not canceling the event, but the Barclays is shut down. So what the hell does that mean? Um, we had no idea what was going to happen. So it's good for, on a personal level to finally get closure that the show is gone. Um, but it's something that also should have been done uh, a while ago when the NHL was suspended, possibly canceled, when the NBA was suspended, uh, when baseball was suspended. This, should, this is a couple weeks too late couple of weeks i was thinking i was thinking about a month a month too late couple um, weeks i'll give you that yeah i mean and and we spoke about this as well and i know nick is not a ufc guy but i will i will throw this here and and exactly what you know what nick said is is, is the is the, the money aspect of it for sure but the biggest thing that i see here it's not and it's not the arrogance part and i think what he did what, what dana white president of ufc did he tried his best to do what he can with a situation that he had no control over. And I got to give him credit for trying where we saw Tyler. And I think we, we, we spoke about this off camera where it was, he something with an Island. Like he, he, I don't know if he bought an Island or it was something like he, yeah, had, so he, either, he either bought or rented an Island to have all of his UFC events on, but right. Half the problem Half of his guys couldn't leave the country. You know that was a bit, and that was a big reason with uh, Khabib Ferguson. Khabib, they won't let Khabib uh, leave Russia. Right. Yeah. And, like and not. Let, and, and not. Right. And not only that too is that you also have no guarantee. You're coming from this remote island, wherever you are, and a lot of these countries are not allowing any international flights, any international anything in. So. It's. I think it honestly, it's remarkable. It's. It's pretty cool to see what Dana White tried to do. He tried to get around every single hurdle, but at some point, that gate is going to come down and completely, you know, just just chop your head off. Um, but you know, listen, he he tried. He tried, and like I said, I have to give him credit, Nick. I, I'm gonna, I'm going to go to you for this, uh, like how we went with Tyler with the NBA. But I want to ask you your thought generally with what Dana White did and just in general, what UFC, um, they, they were the last league or, uh, you know, last league standing rather. So to have them fight, they have to be in contact with each other. So why was he trying to do this? He's another guy who doesn't get it. Like why, 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 why are you promoting human contact? What are you not understanding about this virus? Like that, even if it's just them two on a remote island, if one of them had it and gave it to the other one, they're bringing it back to their family, and the spread continues. You know, no I, find hard, but I find it hard to believe that this guy wouldn't have had his fighters tested and checked before they well, fought. If you could do that, then the rest of it makes sense. I mean, but the the day, we're going to use tests on them when the tests are in short supply as it is. You're going to use them on two guys to fight in a UFC event. They should be safe for the medical professionals. Well, well to be fair, to this point. Well, I, yeah, well, you see how many tests are being handed out to the NBA and the NHL right now. There's well, no way Dana White couldn't have gotten – how many people fight on a UFC card? On the main card? Well, there's no way he couldn't have gotten 12 right now. It doesn't make sense. Just so stop. I, guys yeah, 
tell that to the NBA and the NHL who are trying to make significant comebacks right now. Right. We didn't get to talk about that, but I would have said the same thing to both of them. What are you doing? Why is this not waiting to be anywhere close to happening until we're basically sure this thing? Yeah, but it's also not unimportant to have them tested either. I get that they're not considered a priority, but you got players that are dealing with hundreds hundreds of fans a day. They go to their signings, their meetings, they're meeting fans outside the building, inside the building. They're, they're, they're going to spread that thing faster than you and I combined. Yeah, but they shouldn't be out. It's just as important to have them checked. I'm not, well, I'm not saying they're a priority, but you have, you have some tests given to them. But, I mean, turn around, look at the Senators. What do they have, six people test positive right now? You have a very high chance of being sick, yeah. If you think you've been in contact with somebody who got it, then absolutely you become somebody who needs a test. But to have two guys do a fight just to make the UFC and Dana White, who's probably worth millions, more money seems ridiculous. If the guy can afford to buy tests and they're willing to give them to him and they're stupid enough to give it to him, that's not his fault. Well, well, that okay. That that is that 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 opens up a whole new can of worms. That is for a completely different show on a completely different network, not named the Eastern Observer. But now I'm going to segue into this. And Major League Baseball earlier this week uh, had come out and said that there is a possibility that uh, between Major League Baseball and MLBPA, along with the players themselves, uh, they're weighing options to play in spring training ballparks all around Arizona and at Chase Field in Phoenix starting in May. Obviously, um, people have been very critical of this, um, one of which is one of my sources uh, on one of Major League Baseball teams. You two know it, um, but I will not say it um, on air, uh, as he told me to keep, keep, keep that shut. Um, but he said, quote, it would be a living hell for me uh, to be, end quote, um, to be basically sequestered on, you know, or base, it, he said it would be like jail. That's the best way to put it. It's like jail for five months. Um, and it would be okay if there were, you know, the antibodies from, from other people, whatever. Um, and again, a lot of this has to do with making money again and to rebuild the economy. Now, the biggest problem that I have here is, is that unless you have a vaccine ready, unless you have enough antibodies ready to inject people to, to fight off this potential bug where it will not affect people, uh, where, where I think Nick and Tyler, I think, uh, what was it? They had said that uh, instead of being in a dugout or in a clubhouse, they would open up the gates to the stands where they would sit, I believe it's every third seat on the first base and the third base side. I think that might be the stupidest thing possible to do uh, unless, again, unless there is a potential vaccine or there's these antibodies where you can just inject them with where it would start working soon. But you have to give it time to, for it to be in May. And I understand that there's, you know, Again, this is a different part of the show, and this is not um, this is not our forte. But there's a lot of money going around to the economy and everything like that. Yes, I know the stock market's down, everything like that, and it's affecting everybody. It is, and we have to get businesses back up and running. We do, but if it means endangering the welfare of normal human beings, and that includes professional athletes, because guess what, they are also human beings as well, just like you, me, 
and you. Guys, I need your uh, need your input. So this is kind of where this whole thing is going to get tricky with uh, sports and the coronavirus. Because um, as far as playing again, you know, and I think we can all agree that as long as people – as long as you can play and you could be – if you can, if you know that it's a hundred percent safe, the virus is not coming in. The virus is not leaving. I don't see a problem with playing, but the only problem with that right now is you don't have that guarantee. Mm-hmm. That and it's you could isolate yourselves to some remote island off the coast of Antarctica and play baseball for all I care. But the problem is, you you're not. What's a baseball roster? Forty men. So you got 40 men with 30 well, teams. The 40-man roster isn't on the major league roster. The 40-man roster is a paper and pen kind of thing. Of who's, it's, 20, it's 26 now. 26 is the amount of guys on a major league Whatever team. it is. Whether it's 26, 40, or the entire damn farm. You have X amount of players on 30 teams. That's not including base coaches, the managers, uh, medical staff, GMs, team presidents, uh, obviously you're going to have to have some kind of social media representative for the team there. So people can, uh, I don't know, actually know what's going on and it's not meaningless baseball. Reporters. Uh, this is the 1800s where the, the, you know, a, a team's going to win the world series and I'm going to find out in the newspaper 10 days later. Right. Um, it's, but like, you know, like I said, it all comes down to that guarantee, not having that guarantee of you can do this safely, you know? And the fact that again, going back to the whole, political doctor nonsense uh there's no definitive thing saying that we're close to a vaccine or an antibody um there's nothing saying that uh at least on the national standpoint this is going to end anytime soon because uh obviously in new york you know we're it's going to be a great day when this leaves new york because we can all actually go out and do something other than stare at four walls uh, but it's it's gonna bounce from state to state to state to state. To state. It's gonna just keep going until it hits every state, and it's either gonna work its way back, or it's gonna disappear. All right, go, like uh, but, a relapse almost. Ba- yeah, basically. And you know, I don't know if you how much you've been watching any form of the news, whether it be uh, Fox or CNN or even just local news. But you're doing interviews with uh, these medical professionals, nurses, um, again, EMTs and paramedics. And the other day, something that caught my attention was one uh, nurse came on and said, uh, you know, she felt, uh, quote, even worse the second time with the coronavirus. And it caught, obviously, not only myself and my mother, but caught all the the guys on the news off guard, too. They're like, what do you mean the second time? And they're like, yeah, without the antibody, you can keep getting this. Right. Well, because and and something that I've heard also is that there's there's different strains of this now, and that's all. And from what from what I'm told is that, um, or from what I've seen on the news is that that's you know, or what I've seen online rather. I'm not going to say that 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 is the case, but I, I've seen rumors of that. Um, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not the news, but I'm just saying what you know what I've seen and heard. Um, so with that being said, I think I think that it hurts. It's gonna it's gonna keep hurting. Um it's we're going to all get through this and we're all going to, we're going to enjoy 
sports when it comes back, um, I think more than we ever would. And I know me who works in it um, as, and exactly what Nick said, I'm going to take, I'm going to take what Nick said here. Um, And it's, I don't think, and me too, to that, that works in it. I wouldn't feel comfortable going out um, unless I was wearing a mask and even whatever. I, I don't think I'd be able to work a sporting event if it were to come out today because, or if they were, so if someone were to be playing today and I had to cover it, I would not be comfortable um, with everything that's going on now with even in a month from now, yes, it's going to be getting warmer, but there are also other warmer climates um, like Australia, for instance, we had an, um, at St. Francis, Brooklyn, uh, an Australian player who I've been uh, keeping in contact with and her and her family are, thank God, okay. But um, the problem is, is that we don't know if this virus can die in warmer climates or if it just keeps spreading. We will not know. And that's why I personally believe that Major League Baseball um, will not be coming back at all. Um, And I I don't see it, guys. I I don't know. You guys want to add any final thoughts to this? Because, you know, we kind of want to stick to the positives here. Yeah, I think, really no that, positives. I think not at all is a stretch um, because, you know, we already have um, – uh, and, and, again, going back to the news, I don't know how much you're watching, but, uh, you know, like for New York, for an example, is, uh, is reaching its peak this weekend. Um, obviously, so they again, say. Yes. Um, so it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, even say, say it truly is peak and we're getting ready to start, you know, sliding down the hill. Um, that's great, but that doesn't also mean to start running outside and doing things. So even if they say we're safe tomorrow, baseball still doesn't start for two months anyway. So there's no rush to get this done. The biggest concern looking at the MLB uh, coming out of the coronavirus is when they can start playing legitimately and how many games they're going to get in. Um, You know, and it's going to the whole thing is just, and again, this is, it's nobody's fault. Nobody did anything wrong, um, but it's it's one big cluster of what's everybody going to do? Because MLB, it's just I don't, you know, it's not like football where you go and play every Sunday for two and a half hours, um, barely do anything, mind you. That's my little shot at the NFL, uh, and then go home for six days. Um, MLB, you play at 7, you're done by 9.30, and you're awake at 11 o'clock to start batting games. You know, and it's to try and do all this and still do 162 games like they want to do, they're out of their minds. It's never going to happen. So I don't – I couldn't genuinely tell you how – what they're going to do, but I also don't see baseball being canceled. Nick, your thoughts, your, 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 your final thoughts on this uh, unfortunate um, news and negative stuff that we're dealing with involuntarily. Well, I mentioned one thing. This all started because a rumor came out that baseball is looking to have a plan in place to start in November. Can't blame the commissioner for having plans in place. That's their job right now is to have every contingency covered and have a plan ready for no matter what happens. So as long as it doesn't get pushed into action before it should be, I understand why Rob Manfred and Dana White are trying to have things ready in case they get the okay and they can do it safely. But that's the key word, like Tyler said. Nothing should be done unless it's 100% safe and you know you're not going to make this thing any worse and you're not going to put people in danger. If it's safe to do so, 
put plans in place if they have to play games behind closed doors and open up the stands and all these weird things that we're seeing as strange. The teams are going to keep planning to try and have something prepared in case they're given the green light. But as long as the powers that be prevent it until it's 100% safe, then I understand these rumors coming out and these weird things being proposed and talked about because that's all we got right now is you have to plan and be ready for any type of scenario. So I hope they don't do anything until it's safe, but I get that plans are coming out. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like anything else out there. You know, it, you go to a job or you go to any kind of major sport, it's, it's not just, you know, if, you know, think about it this way. If, if Rob Manfred went into all of this and said, okay, 162-game season, playoffs, we're done by uh, end of October, maybe the beginning of November. And that's just what they rode with. If they went into this without plan B, plan D, uh, plan C, plan D, and so on, could you imagine what the hell would be happening with the MLB right now? They would have absolutely no idea how to even brainstorm something to do to figure this out. So I don't, like I said, going back to what Nick said, I, I do not blame him uh, at all for um, doing what he can, or at least throwing out the idea. But this is probably of all of the sports, the least likely idea I've heard so far. Well, moving on to a more positive note, uh, the uh, the basketball pro- professional basketball Hall of Fame uh, has uh, they've announced that Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, uh, Tamika uh, Tamika Catchings, uh, and also let's not forget the immortal Tim Duncan, um, immortal Tim Duncan rather, uh, they're going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Um, unfortunately, posthumously, uh, for my man, Kobe Bryant, uh, right behind me is underneath this banner, uh, is the black Lakers Jersey that usually is behind Nick's head here. Um, but it's, it's sad. Um, I kind of got tears the moment that it happened, um, of, of joy, of happiness. And really, I hate to say, but that's really the only positive news that we've had this week bearing um, any, you know, rumors that, you know, getting our hopes up. Um, but your thoughts on um, our childhood really coming to an end, guys. This is, you know, it, it just every year it almost seems like it's, you know, obviously. Yeah, obviously every year. Well, that's what I'm saying, especially because Tim Duncan, who we grew up and idolized, um, you know, with, with his Adidas sneakers, for instance. Um, and, and he didn't retire that long ago either, which is the crazier part. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, I, you know, I, I'm sure we all know that in all sports, uh, there's an eligibility. You need to wait before uh, you can get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I wish, uh, I wish the eligibility for Kobe would have been one year earlier. Um, if I obviously, if we had all known what was going to happen, if it happened, uh, I think we would all say the same thing because, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's always unfortunate to lose somebody, especially the way uh, we lost Kobe. But, um, you know, if anybody in any of the four major sports uh, deserved to sit and appreciate and watch themselves. Uh, gets cemented in their sports history. You couldn't, I couldn't, there's not a single person you can name that deserved it more than he did to be able to see himself go in. Nick. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to see it. At least his family was there. They made it a big celebration. He's been honored in so many ways that I'm sure he's looking down on us and happy that we've celebrated everything that he's achieved, all the things that he was so passionate about, not just his game, but growing the woman's game, his daughter Gigi, his wife, all the things that made him such an amazing ambassador for basketball. And it's nice to see it all celebrated once again. But yeah, it was sad that he wasn't able to be a part of it. But it really is incredible every year, every Hall of Fame induction in every sport to see guys that we grew up watching. And to say that, wow, not only are they retired now, they've been retired long enough to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's so great. <laughs> it's uh, weird. These guys our whole lives. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, they retired. They're Hall of Famers now? Like, how old are we? This is ridiculous. It's so weird to see these guys pass so quickly from superstars we watched every night to – guys that are now in the Hall of Fame, it's it's very wild. It's surreal to see, and especially with how good this class was. Yeah. It's really, really, really cool to see three big pillar names, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, and Kobe Bryant, all going together, being such legendary players. Oh, yeah. You know, you know and, and, and as weird as it is to start seeing the people that we grew up with getting inducted, uh, it's, it's just as weird, you know, going back to the whole – our childhood wrapping up thing. I don't think anything has been weirder in my life so far than watching people younger than me getting drafted to sports. I don't like it. And I feel old. Way younger than us now. Oh yeah. Well, what are we all? But yeah, that's when it started hitting me when I was like 20 and I'm like, that guy's 19 getting. I I turned 18 the year that Aaron Eckblad was drafted. And I'm just watching this and I'm like, this kid's my age. And he's got a solid foot on me and like a solid 120 pounds of muscle and anger. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. My brother is just grad- graduating high school. So now he's like the same age as kids getting drafted. I still think of him as a little kid. It's like, oh my God, that's <laughs> the age these guys are. Oh, uh, dude, it's wild. Like I, I, you know, I, I, you guys both know, I do still do some work in the schools and it's like, I, I'm walking through like, my the elementary school the middle school to go to work and i just oh my god it feels like i was here like a week ago (laughs) yep same thing i do a lot of work for schools too it's surreal every single time and they're still freaking taller than me yeah (laughs) even in the middle schools they're taller boys we're getting old well, ladies and gentlemen, it is 8.05 here on the East Coast. We have gone five minutes over our time, but I will tell you this, is that the conversation that we had today, we definitely hope uh, does not continue, but unfortunately for the foreseeable future, it will. Uh, the one positive thing here is that the three of us do always have a really fun time chatting with each other and also getting the debates uh, going, especially in the beginning of the show with the NFL All-Decade uh, part. That one was really fun, but just keep uh, mo- you know moving it forward. Um, for all of those watching, uh, prayers up from myself, from Tyler, from Nick, um, because we all need to move forward from this. And this is definitely uh, one that we will remember for the rest of our lives um, for however long that this this lasts for. Um, but from all of us here at the Primetime Rundown, the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Networks, we cannot thank you enough for joining us here tonight. Uh, we'll be back on uh, next Friday from 6 to 8 p.m., uh tyler will be having a guest next week and that will be Ty- uh, another golden stick wiffle ball um yeah so uh, we're gonna have a- mike valenti he's gonna be a representative from the new york dark knights who we spoke a lot about tonight very good. on at seven o'clock 
Very good. So seven o'clock uh, for those that are watching from the Golden Stick Wiffleball League, please tune in. Uh, for all of us here at the Black, uh, Blackjack Media Network, the Eastern Observer, and the Primetime Rundown, I'm Joey Jorzinka saying good night from Long Island, New York. And everyone, please stay safe, please stay healthy, and please stay home. Stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.